Hey there, it's Cold Cabana. Thank you so much for checking out the past shows from the archives. All the past ones in this feed are ad-free. I took out all the ads. If this is something you like, you can listen to every single episode of the Art of Wrestling podcast dating back to 2010, absolutely ad-free for only $4 a month on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash coldcabana. All right, enjoy the show. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler, Colt Cabana. All right, how you guys doing? Come on in, sit down, relax. You're about to listen to the Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. The life podcast is a personal journal. It's an entryway into the minds and souls, the hearts and lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I'm a Jew. It sounds so harshly when you say it that way. I'm a celebrator of the Hanukkah. I'm a celebrator of the Christmas. I'm both. I'm Amy Holiday, which is also my porn name. Most importantly, though, I am a professional wrestler, and I am sitting here live in my studio, apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Before I go into further, this is fan support and listener support of podcast support by people just like you. Gives you free of charge every single Thursday. Coldcommander.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. A couple great ways that you can support, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend, tweet it out, Facebook it out. The best way that you can support, though, ColtMerch.com, DigitalColt.com. T-shirts, buttons, pictures, posters, DVDs, digital downloads. If you want anything for Christmas by any chance, you gotta get it in by today. I'll leave it at my doorstep with stamps. Friday morning, because I'm gone Friday morning. So if you order it on a Thursday, I'll be able to maybe ship it out on a Friday, and then I am out to Japan until 2018. Oh my, who'd have thunk we did it to that year just in general. But all that can be purchased, coltmerch.com, digitalcolt.com. Get in those AMAs if you want to send me a question. That'll be in two weeks after the year in review. The year in review will be next week. Wrestling at gmail.com. Use the subject AMA. Send a voice memo, who you are, where you're from, and your question. And I will answer it while I am in Japan as a professional wrestler. This week I have Alex Shelley on the show. I mean, this is all information that will come up. A guy I've wanted on the show for years. A guy I have known for years. I guess what I don't say in the show is just how uh, how cool it was to watch him kind of become become this amazing uh, professional wrestler. I mean, I do kiss his ass a little bit uh, about tag team wrestling, but you know, he was a a younger guy and he just kept working and working and helped uh, revolutionize and innovate in uh, in an industry in a time when wrestling was really changing. And so it's fun to hear his views. It's fun that he has his own views. And his own take on wrestling, which I really enjoy. I, I like I like when uh, when we're just we're so young and moldable, and then we can kind of get our own independent thoughts, and we can think about what we like and dislike, and just uh, how we see wrestling as an art or a sport or whatever it may be. And I find it funny I'm saying that because I write. I think uh, maybe Daniel Cormier or someone was complaining about that dropkick spot at Ring of Honor, which I was commentating for and when it happened I was just like oh that's a spot I've seen a million times or not that exact spot but you know that those drop kicks get up and I think they were kind of playing on that idea of that high spot it was almost making fun of that high spot I think in a bit of a way and it's just funny I think to myself what can catch on you know I'm going to wrestle sorry I keep on cutting myself in the middle of a thought but I'm gonna go wrestle for DDT that's where I'm leaving tomorrow I'm going to Japan it's basically a place where Wrestling gets viral from Abushi wrestling the blow up doll 
to Kenny Omega wrestling a six-year-old girl, to Joey Ryan flipping Dino with his dick. And I say to myself, like, oh, what can I do to get viral? I mean, I don't say it that much. It's not running through my head that much. But there are thoughts of, like, oh, I should do something fun and crazy because it'll be an opportunity to maybe spark something in some kind of career or whatever, the same way it it did for Joey. But I always just go, like, oh, you never know what's going to catch on and what's going to get big, and you can't be that person who's just doing it for the viral video, saying that that's like Joey Ryan's only MO now, which is kind of funny and a good business model, but I I can't depend on that happening. And I guess the Young Bucks are thriving on people just hating on them to then explode something or some GIF or some small video or whatever it might be. Fuck, I don't even know what started that train of thought. Something did, right? I think I was talking about Alex Shelley and viral videos. I don't even know. We didn't even talk about the paparazzi productions, which was one of my favorite things. I remember doing a podcast with John Morrison years ago and saying how much I liked that WWE.com show he had. I think that was at the same time that the paparazzi production stuff was happening, which was fucking great. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go YouTube paparazzi productions. I think that's what it was called. That was probably the best thing that TNA ever did. Dare I say? I'm sure you can disagree or agree, but that's the great thing about opinions and subjectiveness. It's all in the eye of the beholder. This podcast will have some changes coming to it in 2018. I'm going to talk about it next week. You can ask those questions on the AMA afterwards. One thing that I hope will not change will be the song of the week. I might start playing some of the older songs. Some people ask me about songs, and I'm like, I played that. And then I have to remember to myself, Colt, you can't get mad because you played that six years ago. But I always encourage, and I have for years, if you're a band and you want to get some publicity, just make a song about wrestling, and I'll probably play it if it's good or if I like it or if I can understand it. That's been a thing for years, is I'll get some great bands, like maybe a hardcore or a punk band, but I just can't hear the lyrics. And then if you can't hear the lyrics, you don't know it's about wrestling, so I just kind of choose not to play it. But I am going to play a song today. All right, the song of the week is by Harry Harris. Info on Harry is at harryharrismusic.com. Buy his music and the pocketbook novel about this song and this wrestler at harryharris.bandcamp.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at Harris, C-M-O-N. The song is written from Andre the Giant's point of view and is basically a conversation between himself and his best friend, Frenchie. It's all inspired by real life. It's called Andre. Enjoy it. We'll be back with Alex Shelley. So Frenchie, I want to be short like you. So I don't have to wear these custom shoes. Frenchie, I want to ride a horse like you But I'm too big, no horse will do Frenchie, I'm too big, no horse will do Yeah. 
ship and a big morning. We cut out the first start of this beginning of the podcast. What if you just change your whole, you start talking in a different character right now? Oh, I can't do it, you, you man. I'm still so embarrassed by the first half. <laughs> the thing that was cut out? Yeah. That was cut out. We're okay. Can't reference it, yeah. We're good now. Hello, friend. Hi. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm excited. Um, we can, I don't know, we not tell a backstory of it, but I've, you know, I, a lot of people ask me the question. They'll ask me a question. Has anyone like ever rejected you to be on this podcast? And, um, you know, and I always understand like Loki was somebody who I asked originally. And it's weird because, you, you know, and you have probably have had relationships with him. And I don't mean to like name drop him, but whatever. Not even name drop, like name check. But he was just like, I, I'm not doing interviews. And I was like, okay, yep. yeah, yeah, no problem. And I would only, I, I'm only putting you on the spot because here you are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so good. To, but I, I always wonder what goes, because there's something kind of probably psychologically or mentally, the idea that's scary coming onto a thing, especially between just friends who've known each other for almost, oh, you know, 15, geez. 16, 17 like, years. Damn near half my life at this yeah, point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But some people, I understand like the idea of like are almost maybe scared to come on or. Or I don't know. Some people, you know, I think you hinted at the idea of like maybe you didn't think there was anything there. I, for me, I don't have a very, not that I have negative self-esteem, but I just really don't see myself as a very important figure in <laughs> pro wrestling. And to me, because um, I have a lot of respect for you, I always have. I was setting up rings for you when you were like the hot indie guy in the Midwest. So I always kept you at an upper echelon in my And you, mind. you mean looks-wise, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. those traps. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So to me, it was always like, oh, yeah, this is like, you know, important people getting interviewed on this, and I'm not that. And, and that was half of it. And the other half was always, man, the things I would really want to say, I wouldn't feel right about saying them and kind of putting people on blast, not that I'm going to do that, mm -hmm. or kind of saying the things that I truly honestly <laughs> feel while I'm still participating actively in pro wrestling. But now I'm starting to realize, like, well, who knows how long that's going to last or not last at this point. Right? Wait, wait, but obviously, please don't say anything about anybody. But like what like when you when that's the first thing that comes to your mind, yeah, you're like you're thinking of people like people that are disrespectful to you, disrespectful to wrestling, people that just upset you, their styles upset you. Um, no, not even that. Not even that aspect of it. Just the more, more so along the lines of like unethical business. And I think obviously if you stick around pro wrestling long enough, you see it in different facets. So obviously I've seen that at different times and places. And it's not necessarily like wrestling styles because I respect everybody's wrestling style and i respect everybody's choice to have a personal favorite as far as wrestling styles go to so that was never it's never about unethical that. business oh man that's straight know? out of a billy madison right. uh <laughs> business <laughs> ethics yeah especially with all the stuff coming to light and other forms of media now too right it's only a matter of time right it have really you wondered is. this yeah i think we've actually talked about this 
before too. Um, maybe like a month ago or so. When, like, I mean, when these people, when wrestling comes to light, right? right? Like, okay, these allegations are starting, but now they're starting to snowball into all sorts of different lines of work. And certainly, I would imagine wrestling's not going to be immune to it. Agree. I mean, I don't know, agree or disagree, but like wrestling's the scummiest business of them all. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, so maybe it's like you're telling me nothing that I don't already know type thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it won't, but I don't know. And there, I mean, this is it's kind of funny because right we. I don't even remember, but th- these are conversations that people are wondering. The answer is yes. These are conversations that are happening in the wrestling locker room. Mm-hmm. And the conversation is more like, well, when's every gross thing at wrestling? And the other conversation I think is, is will wrestling get a pass? And people will just be like, well, that's just wrestling. Yeah. Is it going to be one of those cases where you knew it was a snake when it bit you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you kind of knew what you were getting into in the first place. Like, of course, it's the lowest common denominator form of entertainment for a yeah. lot of people, too. So I and don't know. society is just like, well, that's... Yep. That's pro wrestling. What did you expect? The, that's the big guy. That's sure. what they do. Sure. Yep. If you... I don't know. I, I, I guess... It's kind of weird. Like t- today, I I slapped Todd Sinclair on the butt mm-hmm. while going to the ring, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that." How you think? You know what I'm saying? Like it's got sure. me questioning, which is probably for the better. Sure, sure. Todd sure. Sinclair, one of my good friends. You've got to have known him what since because he's been in Ring of Honor since I always remember him. Yeah, being here. So right? there's a rapport there, but then it makes you think like that's but that's what was probably happening at these places. True, there's true. a rapport. Someone slaps someone else, and they don't want that, but they're not telling anybody. Yep. So yep. I, I don't know. Maybe for the better, I, it made me think. I probably still will slap Todd Sinclair on the ass. Yep. But I'll think about it at least before I do it. Right. I mean, and what an ass. Yes, I might add. <laughs> he sure he sure does. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, great. Well, I'm glad you came on here. It yeah. means a lot to me. It means a lot to me, too, yeah. man. I, I honestly remember doing security at AT Huck shows, IWF in Detroit. And like, yep, there's Cole Cabana. And he's like, clearly the best guy on the show, you and Punk and Hero. And like, I always looked up to you guys. And you guys ended up helping me out a ton. So it's like the least I could do. Well, you know? explain to me. Yeah, explain to me what those days were like. So what's, what's, so AT Huck is running shows. Yep. And you're just training. Yep. And you, who tells you to go to do security? Do you want to go to security? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to do security. I mean, I'm 18 years old. I'm taking classes at community college, and I just want to be around pro wrestling as much as possible. And at that point in time, too, and we're talking like, well, that would have been like 2001, 2002, around then, too. So, like, tape trading was a big deal, right? And you would get these compilation tapes, which is kind of, Weird to think about, right? That people actually went to all these efforts, put all these awesome matches from all over the place and just make like 20 matches on a VHS. See, it doesn't because I, you know, when I first started, like Dave Prazak was such a good friend. Right. And I'd go to his house and I'd go to his basement and I'd see 8,000 tapes. All right. And I'd be like, oh, there's probably 8,000 people just like Dave making these tapes right you know what i'm saying and there there were to right. be honest right like it was that weird 8,000 like, isn't a big number so that sounds about right sure yeah yeah, yeah. It, just like this weird like underground cult of people just trading these awesome obscure matches so like i had seen your work before i had actually met you and then um you know just training at the nwa great lakes school of michigan is Bo- that with bobo yeah bobo brown. bobo brown bobo brown and like i'm trying to think of who had it before like hard time gene austin yes. bobby lee i don't know if you remember him him at all but he was a guy who actually owned the ring that um huck would rent 
right? And it was at, I don't know if you remember the ring at I all. It's weird that you say that because it, it, it was, they had like the red square with the blue yep, canvas. You do remember yeah. it. Yeah. And the that ropes. A, that were, was a notorious Detroit ring. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Apparently, the history of the ring, like, dates back to like them setting it up in like Lima, Ohio in the eighties. And it had been around for ages. And the thing had like the bottom rope was like two feet away from the canvas. It was really, really weird. Um, but I remember having to set that thing up all the time. And Bobby Lee was kind of the first one, like come help set up the ring and do security. You know, it'll be nice for you to meet people and network. Like, absolutely, sir. Yes, please. Thank you. You know, so. and what, because he would come or because that ring was set up at Great Lakes or at NWA Great Lakes? It or? wasn't. Um, he just needed help setting the ring up more. I was cheap labor, right? Yeah. But it was good for me because I learned how to set up a pro wrestling ring and I got to meet all these people and then I could roll around before the show. And if guys like you or Hero or anybody were hanging around like, hey, try doing things this way or, you know, and I just get to meet people and kind of, kind of rub elbows and see different things and learn more about wrestling. But know? he would take you from tr you, he would tell you at training. And I'm also curious as like how you start jumping in the tape training world. Does that start before you're like, before you start training or is that like when you start training? Yeah, that was kind of before. Do you remember, um, it's probably still around death Valley driver yeah, board. The, the yeah. Board. Yep. So I remember just like, you know, getting America online, right? Yeah. Like how many people had just stacks of those CDs? R.I.P., uh, right? Yeah. It was so, like AIM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your uh, screen name? Oh, man. I honestly can't remember. Uh, it was X Free Sucker X. And that was like a song from a band I liked. I that remember sense. that now. Yep. So I remember. We chatted on AIM. We did. Of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. We'd have, do you remember like chat rooms? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So the chat rooms, I remember specifically like. You and Punk were in there. Um, Barbie Head. Barbie Head was in there. Prezak Super Dragon. Yes. Yep. I remember Super Dragon being in there. That bring um, back memories. Yeah. There right. were a lot of Jimmy Jacobs would yep. hop in there too. And this is how people, I guess this is the original Facebook group maybe or yeah. Facebook chat. I mean, or the, the, but this, but we, yeah, we, it's, it's like you wouldn't get in a weird, you wouldn't get in a text message thread now with right. these people because- it's kind of someone just invited someone into this room. Yeah. I don't know if there's an equivalent of what this would be. I don't know. Maybe a Facebook page, but you don't have those kind of in-depth chats. Yeah, it was because it was very um, like static too, right? Like you would respond constantly and then it would just be like, oh, there's Jimmy Jacobs. Oh, he'd send me an invite to the room. And the room was like perpetually up yeah. too, but just like Joey Ryan was Yeah, you'd pop in, you'd pop out. Yeah, it's right. like you just see, there were always like six to eight to 10 to 12 people. Hero was on a lot too. Mark Wolf yeah. as well. Well, like, I, you know, just all sorts of people. And it was kind of cool. Honestly, I learned a lot. Like just <laughs> having these weird um, electronic messages back and forth. But yeah, that's how I ended up getting the tapes and then seeing you uh, guys. Death Valley Driver. Death Valley Driver. And just kind of going through and seeing like people talk about, hey, I have these tapes for sales or these compilations or something. And I just wanted to see all the indie wrestling from all over the world. And know? how do you get a buzz? How do you get? Right. How do you understand? The idea of, because I think everybody is like, they know WWF, mm -hmm. WCW, mm -hmm. but then there's that point where they're like, oh, there's this other thing. Right. So the reason I was aware of that was because I'd actually gone to a couple indie shows. So they had NWA Great Lakes. Um, I think that's what it was. Or there, there was some sort of indie in Detroit. Uh, do you remember the Gypsy Dan Curtis at all? Dan Curtis. Okay. I did his memorial show. Okay. That sounds about right. So that... 
So he, but that was like my first, it was 2000, year 2000. So you would have just been starting that Right, too. that was my, you know, I started in 99, maybe it was late 99 too. Dave Prezak took us to his memorial show, his right. second one, so he had passed at that point. Sure. So I was never around him or knew of him. Right. So I, I had heard of the Dan Curtis memorial show. I guess. Uh, Dan to, Curtis, right? Yeah, Dan yeah. Curtis, Dan Curtis. So the, the, the way to really trace it back, I guess for me was somehow, um, I remember buying, like there was the PWI magazines, right? But then they had the other magazines that would have advertisements, and I can't remember what publishing group it was. There was The Wrestler. There was yes. WOW. Yes. Okay, so it was one of those. And they had a thing for The Torch, right? Pro Dude, this Torch. is the same story. Yeah. Is what? It was me. This is awesome. Then. Yeah. Because we've never actually talked about this before, so I'm curious to see how far this actually, the mirror images go. Um, so it must not have been the PW. I mean, I, I would go to Barnes & Nobles and read all the, the quote-unquote Mark mags. Yeah, me too. And then there, there was I'd buy a, them all, man. Yeah, I'd buy them I all. wouldn't buy them. I would go there for read three them. hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a library, kid. Yeah. Buy something or get out. Yeah, and I remember no. being like, you want to know the real information? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So I remember like, well, yeah, I do want to know yeah. the real information. So I remember they always had some sort of deal, you know, like... Uh, 15 bucks and you would get like two months mm -hmm. or, or something like that. And it would come every week. And I did that. And I was probably, I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Right. And uh, yeah, I would get the torch and then the observer. And I had both for a little while too. Well, then they had the indie results, right? Mm. So they had the indie results in both. And I remember like looking through them, like Westland, Michigan, like that's just a couple cities away. There's wrestling in Westland, Michigan. I got to go to this, you know? So I remember me and my friend would convince his dad to like drive us and drop us off because we were like 14, 15 years old, like old enough to be left alone at a wrestling show. No problem. You know, <laughs> especially if there's a group of us and yeah, I would go see um, wrestlers there. And I remember seeing like reckless youth and uh, um, I think Lance diamond, Don Montoy. Don Montoy right? Right. Yeah. So that was the East coast invasion. Right. And that was kind of a cool thing back Which then. Which is weird that, you know, you and I are familiar with, and I just like, and, and I romance about it and glorify it, but I wonder just in the grand scheme of things, if everyone's like, matter. yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it, like to us, that was like such a big deal. It was so cool too, especially because like we're talking what like slightly later nineties, but like seeing these guys who um, kind of looked more realistic, mm -hmm. like I loved reckless youth and I, like emulated him very hard my first couple of years in wrestling too. But seeing these guys who could do the stuff that they could do on an independent level, like, oh, these guys are awesome. They're just as good as guys on TV. And I just had a blast going to those shows. So that's how I became aware of independent wrestling. Um, so I, I, this is something I've been saying in like interviews recently, because you get these same old questions, right? We've had, we've been, we've been on these shows. They ask the questions, yeah. but sometimes like other, like outside wrestling, outside wrestling publications, where they're still kind of curious, I would say that I knew I wanted to be a a pro wrestler because they'll ask you the question, "When did you know you want to be a pro right, wrestler?" Yep, right, that's common. And so, you know, I know when I first watched pro wrestling, but I've kind of like through answering these questions over the years, I've kind of broke it down to I think, and you tell me if this is the same for you, is when I started reading the Torch, you started learning about like it, it became less of this giant glorious. Mm -hmm. just big stars and it became more of like wade keller telling you like what the business is about and the business was pretty shitty and people didn't make a lot of money mm -hmm. therefore it was almost it i felt it was easier for me to get into because it seemed more of a reality absolutely absolutely for me like once i saw these guys 
at a local level. And granted, and the, the results would be like 250 people. Yes. I was like, oh, I could probably wrestle in yeah, front of like, 200 Okay, people. so wait a second. It's not like all this huge production. Yeah. Like there are different tiers of this. This seems like it might be more doable. So of course, right? And I'm sure you probably owned it too, or you at least have read it. The Percy Pringle guy. Yeah, that's yes. Of course, that was a Bible, right? And how I, to become a pro wrestler. And I brought it to my guidance counselor. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's, that's amazing, man. And I found, yeah, it's, I, I, I have it because I still yeah. have. Do you still have yours? I, I'm sure I do somewhere. Okay. I, I'm sure I do. I sure, I'm sure I do. And that, like, getting that guide too, which was also in one Although, of the. I don't think that did anything for me. That changed you a little bit, huh? That that changed me in the sense that, like. Hmm. I understand a little bit more about it now, and also it gave me the list of the different schools. Right, right. And so, and that that made it. There seem- was none. In, ooh, was there one in Chicago? I don't think there was. Maybe Windy City Wrestling. But I, me and my dad went to Windy City Wrestling. My dad got in a fight with Sam Desero, the owner. Oh, so no. I wasn't allowed to go. Oh. Back. <laughs> so check this out. So like, um, my uh, I think it was like my sophomore year of high school. I had an uncle who's um like an engineer. He's a genius, um, and he owned a stone cutting business now that ironically did really well and got all the contracts for cold stones right so he cuts marble slabs so he's he's really i was gonna make a simpsons reference oh please the stone cutters of course yeah (laughs) so he was a pretty intelligent guy but at the time he lived in dayton so um my summer vacation between freshman and sophomore year of high school of high school i managed to somehow convince my parents into letting me go live with him so i talked with him and train at body slammers Run by Al Snow. Okay. And everybody was on board except Body Slammers. So like I, oh. I, I like we called them and I wrote them a letter and everything. And they're like, ah, we can't accept you. You're not 18 years old. Like even with parents. Which is funny because what year was that? Do you remember? That would have been 97 going into 98 or 98 going into 99. Okay. One of those two. 98, 99, 98, 99. Okay, because I think because I was gonna say that's when Truth Martini and yes. all those guys were out there. Yep. Which yep. would have been weird if you right. Because he eventually, I don't. He, he ended up training me uh, quite a bit after I trained at the NWA school. I found out that they had a school in Livonia, Michigan. I'm from Plymouth, so that's like the next city over. And they actually had a school like operating in there. Then he opened up another school like in Redford, Michigan, which is the next city over. So like in this triangle, there were like two wrestling schools. So I could go train with Briar Wellington if you remember yes, him, who was a pretty good amateur wrestler and like knew a lot about chain wrestling at that point in time. And then Martin, who was really good at high spots and Truth and, Martini. Yeah, Truth Martini, who who has a school now and he was still actively wrestling at that point in time. He was pretty damn good. Of course. Too. Yeah. I mean he obviously, you know, never put a lot of effort into like conditioning or his look in the sense of like well he, he did conditioning yes yeah. conditioning his hair yeah exactly his beautiful right? beautiful his beautiful hair. flowing hair um like he, he never worked out or anything like that so yeah but then it's a different story altogether but yeah so basically like i got to the point where like oh man there are two schools here i can train like five days a week which is weird always weird for me because i came from a school where you just trained at the school and ne- it never occurred to me, plus I paid so much for my training, right? to go somewhere else while I was training. Yeah, so I was, at that point, I had paid my tuition as it was. I was What'd like you my, pay? How much was your? Oh, I, I want to say like 1200 Okay. Which was pretty okay. But it, then again, I was also being trained by, um, like, and I use the term trained very loosely by Bobo Brown. It was basically just access to a rings in the NWA Michigan name, which shouldn't hold a lot. But that was back when there was an NWA 
everything, right? Yeah. Like when they had that resurgence. And then it's like after I dug a little deeper and went to a couple local shows and saw there were there were more schools even closer. It's like I'll train at all three schools. But this did you pay fun. those guys money? Also? No, and they never asked for it, but. They ran shows out of their schools, and I would come and do security and clean up and whatever they needed me to do. Yes, sir, no problem. So, were you doing it under the guise of like, if I do this, they'll never ask me to pay? No, not at all. I, I, I would have honestly, if they had asked, because I told them I was a trained wrestler. At that point, I had had like a couple matches. I had actually already broken my jaw, too. Um, For what? I, I, yeah, I've told you about breaking my jaw, haven't I? In the very beginning of your career? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this was one of the things that me and like, okay, so me, Jimmy Jacobs, we had to pick up uh, Punk and Prazak one time to go to IWA Mid-South. It was like my second time working for Ian. And uh, um, Phil and Dave were really, really like nice, but they, you know, I didn't know them from Adam. They didn't know me from Adam. And we had conversations on the way down. And like, I, they were both asking me just questions. I just trying to get a read on me because of course like filling five hours yeah it's like (laughs) you know what else can you do once you flip through all the japanese wrestling magazines at prezak (laughs) that's right so i remember punk asking me um like do do you work out alex shelley and i was like oh yeah i just started working out again i I couldn't work out for a couple months because i broke my jaw and i couldn't bite down like they said it could uh you know ruin all the hard work the surgeon did he goes you broke your jaw how and i told him how i did it and uh I think he, like, I I can't say for sure, but I think he kind of respected the fact that, like, oh, this guy only had, like, 20 matches, broke his jaw, which would be enough to deter people. Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then came back and trained even harder, you know, and then started driving to Ian's and stuff. So, yeah, it was nice being able to train, like, all the time. Would would you? Right, so. (laughs) I want to know the story. Sure, let's back it up for a minute. Back to uh, Bobby Lee's ring. Okay, so you remember the canvas he had with, the red square, right? Mm. Okay. So that was like a proper canvas canvas. So there was an NWA Michigan show and that canvas was dirty or something. So they put one of those like pleathery, like plastic canvases on there. The vinyl guy. Yeah. Yep. 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 The, the, the wrestlers most hated. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But promoters want to put it on there for some Yeah. Reason. It's like, I don't know why that's a, ever a good idea, yeah. but it, it was on there. And, um, you know, Bobby Lee's ring was old as hell. All the components were old as hell. So one of the sides of the apron, which is we both know is a steel I-beam, right, um, was not covered with any padding. So it was me, two local guys against Petey Williams, maybe Jimmy Jacobs and somebody else. And I remember Petey threw me out of the ring. So I, I was taught, and I'm sure you were too, like when you get thrown out of the ring, you grab the rope and then plant your hand on the apron and you kind of like roll out, you know? Well, which is always fun to watch like celebrities get thrown out of the ring. I know. And just- <laughs> I know. And they just eat it, right? Yeah. Get, they always get caught up in the ropes. <laughs> so I remember plant my hand on it, but somebody had worn baby oil in the match, but maybe even Petey. And my hand slipped and I just came down on the side of my head and just wham right in my face. So I didn't, you know, I think I was 19. I think I just turned 19. I didn't know anything was wrong. So I finished the match and I'm doing dives out of the ring and frog splashes and jumping in Zagiri's. I'm like, man, I I think I hurt my jaw. You know, I hurt my, definitely hurt my jaw. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it was. Tore the ring down. (laughs) And me and my buddy Matt, who I trained with, who doesn't wrestle anymore, he was okay when we were starting. What was his wrestling man? Ah, what was his name? Something Cross. I think it was actually Matt Cross before, but that was... The original, yeah, yeah. It was the original, yeah. <laughs> it was still on Dog 20, right? Um, 
And uh, we tore the ring down and we went to like IHOP or something. I tried to get an omelet. I was like, I'll eat something soft. And I tried to eat it and I couldn't, like this side of my jaw, uh, unilateral side, wouldn't close. Like it just hung. I was like, man, this hurts really bad. I'll just sleep it off. So I woke up the next day and we were going to go to training and I went to brush my teeth and it was just huge. Oh, yeah. So I walked downstairs and yeah, I'm still living at home. My dad had gone to the show the night before too. He goes, how's your job? Holy shit. We got to take you to the ER. I was like, oh, is it that bad? He goes, we got to go right now. So we went in there. They're like, yeah, you uh, you broke your jaw in two places. So it's like, yeah, you you aren't. What is your, where's your parents? Um, tell me about like um, uh, the support. Like, because I, you know, something early happened in my training where like I was going for a sunset flip and the guy didn't know how to take it. So he just sat on my head. Oh, God. And like I could hear the plates crush a little bit oh my god yeah it's it's a it's a, you know that was probably 20 years ago and i still like remember that feeling and i just remember like i remember like being worried that my mom would be like you're done with this right right i always kind of had that fear too i think i was always a I've been telling them for so long <laughs> that I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Like since I was in probably like fifth or sixth grade um, that I think they felt bad about taking that away from me. Um, and after the jaw thing, I think they were fairly certain he's not going to do this anymore. This kid just broke his jaw and then had titanium plates, like holding it together and had his jaw wired shut for a month. And then I came back and did it even harder. And I remember my dad talks about it now. He's like, I thought he was done after that. He just came back and wanted to do it more. And I just figured I'm going to let him do it until he doesn't want to do it. My parents were always super cool about that. My sister, actually, this is neither here nor there, but it kind of speaks to how they treated all of us. Me, my brother, um, my younger brother, my younger sister, she, um, ended up becoming like an opera singer, right? She she always wanted to be an opera singer. Okay, so she went to University of Michigan and majored in music, and then they ended up paying for her master's because she was so good. And she sang in front of President Obama twice, like in front of 70,000 people at the big house, and then took a job in New York and like worked on Broadway for a little bit too, you know? So like they were always, if you wanted to do something, like, yeah, we'll support you as much as you can, as long as you're responsible about it and you kind of understand the gravity of the situation and you can fulfill your duties as far as like finances and you're not you know well, I, think we, I think we have a very similar sounds like right i mean you know my brother's an animator just like yeah, it's a course. weird job but i'm sure he was encouraged by your parents right, right? like he wouldn't have been able to do it without him right? yeah yeah yep. and um yeah and my, my parents always were just like you know hey you know when you can't make money just you make sure you know you have to get a job. I'm not paying for this, right? Yeah, yep. yep. We were always the same way, man. We, like, we worked from a very young age, you know. We always had paper outs growing up, and it was you work if you want money, mm-hmm. like you you do what you have to do. If you can still do the things you want to do on top of that, that's cool too. So, did you get like uh, my mom will always be like, like all my friends, you know, they're like, well, when's he gonna stop doing this? And she's like, this is his job, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the the the. The, the close surrounding neighbors and friends like mm-hmm. worried about you yeah because nobody believes this is a real job no not at all and i i got lucky enough to including the point. you by the way too. I, yeah. <laughs> it's a job i'm just not good at it i don't well, yeah but you're all you're such a a, a back uh a b planning body uh, i have been forever too forever though. forever yeah forever like going on probably like 10 years now is ish. that your is that your you know, my it's, I, I I just I see the similarities with both of us, and I know like that's how my mom has always been. 
It's make sure you have a backup plan. Make mm-hmm. sure you have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. I think for me it was um, like I, I love pro wrestling a lot, and I first started thinking about a backup plan. If I'm going to be totally transparent here, like in TNA and probably like 2007, 2008. And it was the first time I really started thinking about it was when, uh, Saban and I got punished for refusing to blade. Um, if it's full disclosure and it's like, man, this is such a subjective thing. Like why in the world would they think that management at the time think that that would be a good idea here when it's so clearly not to me, you know, but they control it, right? They're pulling the strings. For you, was it the situation or was the idea of doing that to yourself? No, it wasn't the idea of doing it to myself necessarily. It was the idea of the situation at that point in time. And uh, to give you an idea of what it was, like straight up, I'll say it now, um, especially since it's so long ago. And Don't give me in any trouble. I'm not going to give you that. any trouble, but... Um, you know, I, I understand like who listens to these podcasts at this point, and I think people understand it enough to realize like what I'm going to say makes sense in my favor, and I stand by it now. Uh, but yeah, we were feuding with Team 3D, and we had had a, we had a really good match with them. They they helped teach me and save it a lot over the years. But Vince Russo wanted us to dress up in fat suits and mock. 3d in a promo and then they were going to come in and beat the shit out of us and we are going to blade and i'm thinking like to me that's like an art form like it's it's a storytelling tool and it should be taken seriously i don't want to bleed like a stuck pig while i'm wearing a fat suit and tie-dye like to me that just wasn't cool um on top of that they just done an angle like the week before with like fake blood and somebody else and i can't remember who it was but you know it was just does it really like, does it really add that much, you know? And, uh, I fought very hard on that. Part of that was probably also being like younger, like 23, 24, and just kind of having like wild hair up my ass type thing too. So yeah. But you think about the, especially you and I both looking at those magazines as a kid and seeing those wonderful pictures of just like, right. Mm-hmm. Freddie, like I remember like seeing like Freddie Blassie just with that, with that just crimson mask sure. and the pictures of flair. And then you yep. think to yourself, Oh, me in a, in a fat suit. Just That's like, what it was right? too. And it just, it, I, I was, I just, you know, so the, the idea it, of what is it? The idea of like, Oh, what I have in my head, I might not be able to put out in the world. And, and then the reality is, is, Oh, I don't really control my own fate. <laughs> yeah. The re- the reality of it became like, I realized how little control I have. Um, because then we got punished for a solid year. And like at that point in time, I don't think that was a good business move. Um, you know, hindsight being 2020, it definitely wasn't, but they made a lot of mistakes in that company too. And that was when I was like, you know what, quite frankly, fuck this. Like I'm going to figure out a way to where I don't have to rely on this as much. And then I have more control in the end that way. And ever since then, like, I think I started pursuing my education again in like 2009. That, that became like, what did, what did you, had you graduated college at all? Or did no, you, no, no, did no. Did you drop out of college? Did you go to college? I did go to college. I took about a year's worth of classes, like at a community college. And then I was, you know, I was very fortunate, uh, like to get signed to a TNA contract quite young. Right. And then even though it didn't necessarily work out after about six months and I asked for my release, I was lucky. After six months. Yeah. 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 So these are the, are, are these in, in Nashville? Yeah. So it started in Nashville. I got signed in June, 2004 and they were doing Nashville on Wednesdays and then they were doing, um, TV tapings at universal on Thursday. So, um, myself and Roderick strong were actually the first guys to have, tryout matches in Orlando. That's how like 
knew it was to be down there, right? And they wanted X Vision guys. So I got lucky enough to sign a contract there. Um, and it wasn't a great contract, but for me, it was awesome because I got to quit my job, which I think was like being a transporter at Ford Motor Company, like driving engineers from building to building type thing. And it just felt so liberating too. Sure. Right? But then, um, you know, I, I was going to be nothing more than like a job boy at that point, which is fine. Like I'm learning a lot on TV and I'm working all these guys that I looked up to and studied for hours. Like I think my, my tryout match, um, it was like a six man. I got to wrestle Hector Garza. And for me, that was a thrill because I, He's still to this day one of my favorite luchadors. That, so, cork, that corkscrew. So wow, the Tornillo, man. So pretty. I'll tell you what, he is a big dude. Like when I met him, I was like, holy hell, man. And I watched him in WWF in like 97. He didn't look that huge. Right. He was just, oh my God. Um, so, you know, after maybe like five months or so, Dusty Rhodes got the book and gave like this big rah rah, we're going to push the X Vision type thing. And then he just, as bookers do, they pick their favorites and they run with those guys. And that's fine. That's not, a, book- not you weren't a favorite. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, his favorites were more guys like uh, Michael Shane, Cassidy Riley. He really liked the Naturals. Um, you know, and a couple of the guys from before, like Petey and Saban, were fine there too. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like some of the other dudes. He really liked Duke Skipper. Uh, he brought in Chris Candido. Like that was when Candido was kind of making a bit of a mm-hmm. comeback too. So I just asked for my release, and I found out later on that Jarrett wanted to keep me around. Like he thought I had potential, but whatever. They gave it to me, and then Spanky took me to zero one. So I got lucky there that there wasn't much of a window where I wasn't like just working. doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what you you know because I had that same situation. You know, I talked about it on this podcast with Cody. Is is the idea of somebody you know not liking you or like you know like you you know that you have this talent or whatever and you're like wait how, they don't see it right? It's a hard thing to take on. Yeah. Do you, was there part of you that like I'm gonna like maybe I can win him over or is this just this is win over him? No, it was and do you hold a grudge against him? Hindsight, do you hold a grudge against him? Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. at that time, are you yep. like screw this guy and now looking back, are you still like screw this guy? Or are you like No, it, it, looking back at the time, it was like forget it, man. I don't care. Um, you know, I i again total transparency. I was never a huge Dusty Rhodes fan. Um, that wasn't what I got into wrestling to become. I like Shawn Michaels. I like Owen Hart. I was. Yeah. So obviously. when he was wasn't on board with me, it was like heartbreaking. Right. I, he wasn't on board with you. No. 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 Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, Usually yeah, yeah. bookers gravitate towards the guys that they're most like. Yeah. Too, or I, that's kind of my the thing. theory was. I maybe he thought like I was trying too much to be like him, ah. and he was like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm me. You're not." Yeah. Sure. So nice try, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I could see that. I guess. Well, at that point, it was like, whatever, I don't care. I kind of like knew where I was at anyway. They had me working with Goldilocks. I don't know if you remember her. And she was, of course, I remember. Yeah, she was nice, but she was like a rotten character for the most part. Um, You know, I I could even see it had a limited shelf life. And I felt like I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit too, because Gabe was kind of like getting behind me too with Generation Next. And then I got like a dopey TNA gimmick and they called me Baby Bear and all that. It's like, that's really humiliating. Like, I remember when they told me. I kind of remember that. Yeah, dude. When they told me that name i remember just feeling my stomach drop out oh, with goldilocks with goldilocks oh, like that makes it any better though, <laughs> you know 
Um, but it's still, you know, it's a learning opportunity. I'm going to be able to have a wrestling contract. Like, that was cool for me. So, you know, it was like, well, if I never do anything else, at least I did that. But, yeah, so when I asked for my release, it was like, whatever, man. Um, you know, fuck Dusty Rhodes. Like, that's who he wants to use. Cool. I understand now that a booker has to get behind guys and they, he has to run with them. And why not use the guys that he wanted to use? Because it's not like the guys who were being pushed before were like necessarily turning the tide on anything from a business standpoint. You know, you got to try something different, mm -hmm. right? So I understand that completely now. And he was always respectful and nice. So it was never anything personal. Like I was able to, to separate business. And, it's always just sad. Like, yeah, it, it was way. heartbreaking. Yeah, dude. You, it was when you, you want to be the picked one, but there's right. only a handful. Yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, I'm just not on the team, man. Right. You know? And I remember like, but sending, good on you for, I guess to get out though, and to try a different team. Yeah, exactly. And I remember uh, sending in a package because dreamer was head of wwe talent relations at that point so he was nice he came in for scott a couple times and i had met him and scott demore yep scott demore yep and uh um i remember he liked me and johnny ace was in charge of hiring johnny ace saw me and said i didn't have it well, okay fine it's like all right man forget this i'm gonna try and go to japan then i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'm gonna try is that when you did you wrestle nova on like heat uh, that was actually a little later on. Years later. Yep, this was like, it wasn't years. It was actually like six months. So actually what ended up happening was I had met Spanky at TNA and Ring of Honor. And I asked him like, Brian, do you have any advice for somebody who's looking to get into Japan? And he goes, actually, uh, Zero One's going to look to run like a US style show, um, make a package. And he was very detailed about what he wanted. He wanted two matches. He wanted one of them to be like a little more snug and one of them to be like a little more technical, make a highlight video, give me X amount of eight by tens and a resume. Like, okay, cool. These are directions I can follow. Also $2,000 in a brown paper bag. Yeah, right. <laughs> and drop it in my front desk. And I'm going to need a cut of your money. Yeah. yeah. But I had looked up to Brian so much, like without him knowing it, you know, just being a fan of his work too. So it's like, okay, cool. Like if he's telling me to do this stuff, it's definitely the right thing to do. So I sent that to him. He got it. And it just so happened at that point that I had just worked Carino. It was me and Roderick against Punk and Carino. And I was booked at Ring of Honor to wrestle Spanky in a singles match. And then at the end of that month for CZW, I was going to wrestle Sanjay, who was doing zero one two. So it's like, all right, you can't ask for better like upcoming matches. If I do well in all these matches, these guys will be over in Japan. Hopefully, they can. Were those them. the matches you were going to tape and give to him? No, I had already had like I had the package ready. Gotcha. So it was me and Roddy in a singles match because Roddy and I like I loved wrestling the guy, and I imagine I still would. And then the other match was a three way with me, AJ, and Saban from TNA, where we got like ten minutes and just went off the rails with wild stuff, you know. So it was kind of a spottier type thing um yeah and that's what i gave to him and the matches went well and he really liked brian really liked our singles match too so he told me afterwards he's like ah, you're actually the only person i've ever brought a tape over for for zero one i was like oh wow i didn't know that you yeah. know so that was that was really cool and that kind of helped build my confidence back up and then when i got over to japan I remember very vividly, I did okay in my first match, and I was like a last-minute substitute for the main event. So it was like me and Dick Togo against uh, Masato Tanaka. No, it was me and Tanaka versus Dick Togo and Sanjay in the main event, like a ladders and <laughs> chairs match. Like, this is nuts. Like, this is really surreal, you know? Like, I've I watched so many Dick Togo and Tanaka matches. So this is really, really cool. And I did well on my first tour, but I think what really won them over was the next day we had a house show in, like, Guma or something. And Hidaka, Ikido Hidaka, asked Spanky 
to chain wrestle before the show and spanky said well actually alex shelley's really good at chain wrestling so we got in there and i think like i steve told me later on he's like by the end of your like chain wrestling session like everybody was just kind of sitting there watching you and like blown away that you could do all this stuff and i, I and they I, didn't know that in that match before no how could you right, right? yeah it was a ladder match right yeah. and they didn't know me at all either you know i'm just a kid so yeah not sound braggadocious but i that helped and then you formed that friendship with hadaka oh yeah yep yep and he ended up being the junior booker shortly thereafter that too. And then I think I was like his favorite opponent for a little while too. So we basically just worked each other for like a year straight in different capacities. But so there's a story there of like, right. And I always say like what leads to something leads to something leads to something. Right. And you know, that was a moment where they were like, Oh, go chain with Hadaka and you're chaining around. But that chain wrestling it's not like, oh, you just like thought like, so there's years of probably like chanting around with somebody. Absolutely. Is that Absolutely. Joe Legend stuff or is that, I know you, I've, heard, I've heard you credit Joe Legend before. Yeah. A lot of, of that was Joe. A lot just of, watching Reckless. Uh, a lot of it was just watching tapes, studying tapes. Hero was a huge, like all, all the opportunities that Ian gave me at that point, like I knew how to like get in there and chain for a long time and like not run out of technique. You right. know what I mean? Cause you remember working for Ian, it was like. Yeah, go 10 minutes, but if you go 15 and it's an awesome match, he doesn't care. Yeah, if you, you go know? 25 and it's an awesome match. Right, yeah. and also like just kind of being there in um, – because I first started working in Clarksville in the warehouse, like outside the Colgate clock thing in mm -hmm. that um, industrial complex. And the fans there were like – would not get sick of wrestling, I yeah. guess. Like you could wrestle, like chain wrestle for a while and they'd be cool with it. And so Jimmy Jacobs was a huge advocate as far as like being um, somebody that I could experiment on, you know, like I want to do this, this, and this, and this. And he was down because we just wanted to make our names too, you know. But where do you like, you know, where do you fall in love with that chain stuff? Man, I don't, um, Honestly, like the first time I ever saw any of that stuff and like really, really got captivated by it was I was a big, big fan of Toriumon, right? Like in high school even. So I was like, oh, Toriumon's really cool. I just like the costumes and the way they wrestle. And it was so new age, you know? And that guy that put the dude in the camel clutch and read the newspaper. Or yeah, that was cool. Was that Mr. Zero? From from Chikara. Yeah, yeah. But he stole that from something. Oh, did he? Either Torimon or like Torimon X? Ah, uh, T2P, maybe. Is that the T2P was the next one where that's they did what I, like. Okay, that's what I would watch. They did like the Lucha Libre Classica, right? That like um, Negro Navarro and El Solar and those guys would do. And that was like. The first time I saw that, I was like, this is the coolest stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. You know? I think like, that's the stuff that like someone had passed it on and it's just like, this. I don't know anything about wrestling. This is yeah. This is like the most mind blowing stuff I had ever seen too. And this sounds corny too, um, but I like the gimmicks. Like I like the color and the flashiness of it. Like it, it may sound strange, but I'm such a visual person. I don't know that I would have been in, as interested if it were like two young lions from New Japan doing the exact same mm. stuff. You know, like I, I like that stuff, which is kind of ironic too, because I ended up working a lot with a guy named Takuya Sugawara. I don't know if you know him. He was probably in zero one when you went there too. Mm -hmm. um, him and Hidaka were the two like they were kind of married a little bit. Right? Hidaka and F yes, yes, no, his opponent. Fujita, Hidaka and Fujita were the team, but this guy looked a lot like Fujita, so they ended up like feuding him and Fujita, and then him and Hidaka were opponents for like quite a while. Um, and he was a really good base too. Hidaka really liked them. I imagine when you went over there, they were still like working against I each other so, a yeah. lot. Yeah. But he ended up being in T2P too. And he had like a, 
like a royalty gimmick. He was like Henry J. Sugawara the third. And he was like a Prince of England type character. And he told me how much he absolutely hated it. <laughs> I thought it was cool, man. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. You eat your shrimp burger and have your, your take on it. You had to live it. Not me. So, but those, so those guys had a lot of, there's a lot of chain wrestling that like you were, a, a um, I was going to say attracted to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you probably understand because certainly you were interested in at least some of the things. You know, the chain Uh, wrestling, it wasn't until I went to England and and saw, I mean, you know, you'd see Hero doing it in front of, you know, like for hours and you too. And there's like a lot of guys, but I was like, yeah. And then it wasn't until I saw the world of sport that I really understood why you did it and appreciated it. And then went back and watched. And I think, Chris was watching a lot of world of sport at that time. Yep. Well, Chris was watching everything. That's what he does. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. I mean, you want to talk about somebody with like 8,000 videotapes. Right. Like, you remember what that house in Indiana yeah, looked like. Wrestle House was just like mostly tapes. Um, okay. And then, yeah, we're going, we could do this forever, probably. Um, I, so, like, when you. Side note, I'm having a great time. Yeah, so yeah thanks for having fun. me. This is such a blast. <laughs> I, I, I'm always, I remember, I'll tell you a story of just like it being in OVWs, I think it was 2007. And I remember like Paul Birchall, if you remember him. I do. So the first time I met Paul, not to segue from yeah. this, was the first time I went to Japan. So we worked for this company called WrestleAid Project run by Ryu Mago. And this may sound impressive, but it certainly wasn't that impressive given um, the details. My first time in Japan, I main evented at Corican Hall against Petey Williams in front of like 150 people. Oh, really? At Wrestling Project. But Birchall was there too, yeah. And he and wrestled wasn't, Joey um, Legend. Um, Kingman, or he's a million. He, yes, yes. Big uh, Brody Lee. Brody, Brody Lee. Brody Steele. Brody Steele. Yeah. I'm sorry, Brody Lee. Yes. Not Brody sorry, Lee. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Brody Steele, yep, yep. Big Pete. Big Cause, Pete Maritime. Because yeah, yep. I was in England with them and they all came back with the Ribera jackets. Like, Sounds about right. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I met him there. Yeah, cool. That's neat. Yeah. News, right? Uh, yep. Grizzly was there. Yeah. Yep. And Teddy and Jack. Yeah. Um, and then a couple guys I would end up, like, meeting. They didn't later. tell me the 150 part. Wow. <laughs> I had no problem about being honest there. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Later on, I met Natty Nightheart over there, too. She wrestled Sumi. Um, yeah. And so Joey Legend was like the booker there. And Joe was on that show, too. Yep, yeah. Yep. I think he brought over those guys from England. Yep. yep. He yeah. was kind of the foreign talent. And Birch was there. Yep. So so Birchall was just like, I just remember him being like, we're in OVW, we're in the WWE system. And he was just like, the fucking machine guns are the coolest tag team. Like, he's like, these guys are... So oh, really? Yeah, he was just like, these guys are... Like, you know, we're doing this product, like, trying to get up to TV. Sure, yeah. And he's just like, everyone here is so lame. Saban and Shelly are just so fucking... Like, <laughs> they're, like, transforming wrestling. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and, it, and it was. Like, you guys... I mean, it was the start of something really... It was the outfits and the movement and just everything. I don't know if you guys felt... A moment where like snap there it all was and it all came together or if that was just like gradually kind of putting something together Uh, not really so it was more like um so the reason we even started teaming in the first place was because of hidaka right so what happened is on my first zero one tour spanky and kaz hayashi were tag champs and Hidaka and Fujita were going to challenge them. Well, Kaz Hayashi couldn't make it. He had to go do some All Japan stuff. So they wanted to make me and Spanky a tag team. So Spanky had some cool ideas. And he wanted us to be called the Sexy Time Machine Guns. And he wanted us to wear like gear that kind of had like graffiti style stuff all around. I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And 
eventually I ended up working with Nash at TNA, right? And I learned a lot from Kevin, not necessarily in the ring, but I remember him telling me one of the things that I always, always kept with me and I still believe it to this day is fans can tell when you are having fun and that's why I've been successful. And I completely agree with that. As do I. Yep. And he said, the best way to have fun is to try and pop your friends and just do what you and your friends think is cool. So when we started teaming as a machine gun, thanks to Adaka, like I had enough foresight to like think like, oh, we should try and make like different style gear to stand out. Because at that point, a lot of the juniors in the States were just wearing like biker shorts, right? You remember the phase when everybody had biker shorts and kick pads and we did too. But I was like, I, I think it'd be cool if we made it look like, like kind of like the punk rock bomber jacket I had when I was in high school where there were just patches everywhere. So that was like kind of how the looks came about. And Josh was like nice enough to like, let me kind of design all the saving. Yeah. yeah. It was nice enough to let me design all the gear. And of course I wouldn't like do anything without him. Like, Hey man, what do you think about this and this and this? That's cool. What about these colors? You know? So we kind of collaborate on that. As far as the wrestling stuff went though, it was more so like we just tried to do stuff we thought was fun, you know, or we just tried to do different things. And then eventually, um, Cornette came to TNA too. And he liked this and he, God damn it. Yeah. We don't talk good about him on here. I'm sorry. I don't think he still likes us. I don't know. I don't mind him. Um, I understand why certain people wouldn't care for him. But we don't have to. I'm just, it's a joke. Oh, no worries. Okay, good. He gave us like a Midnight Express starter pack. That's like the best way I can describe it. And so the funny thing you say that, I don't know if that's something you've ever said before, but I think looking back, like, and it's probably because we were in OVW, but Virgil was like, these guys are like, Oh, no, I, I take that back. It was like rock and roll. Like you were like rock and roll express, but what they would be like now. Oh, like rock and roll express 2K. Sure, almost. sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that. We actually um, studied a lot of Midnight Express matches. So, And it was nice because we would tell Jim at TV, like, we saw this and this and this, and we like this. And he would say, all right, but here's how you really do it. You know, just like weird, small things. Like if you're going to make a point tag, this is how you do it so everybody can see it and try it this way. And it's like, okay, this is cool, you know. And then we just kind of put our own spin on it too. But, yeah, that was more or less it. It wasn't anything we acted. We tried to do, I guess. You weren't like, let's try to be. I don't know. It was, no, was we didn't try. Yeah. It was just like it was. As far as the looks go, it was like more so. I just kind of we we kind of just created that. You know, I remember specifically like not drawing every line of the gear out, but just you know different logos and like this one's cool. And I had like, oh my god, I had so many logos on the desktop of my computer because I was too lazy to make a folder with them, and it just got overpowering after it's, a while. I think a lot of people will relate to yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never cleaned it up. <laughs> so that was nice. But yeah, it's really nice of Birchall to say because Birchall was cool. I liked him. Um, and then, yeah, we're, I mean, we're winding down. But I, I think also full circle, not full circle, but it goes back to saying that these backup plans and here you are. Right. Early 30s? Mid-30s? 34. 34. Right. 34. And so, which is weird because... You know, if you wanted to, you could just go all in. I mean, you are all in, but you're still you you still have that foot in the still going to school, like out of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, like not too many people really know about that, um, which is fine. I'm not I'm not like a big social media guy. Uh, 
I was. I've heard you talk about that. Like, I wouldn't say it, but I've heard you talk about this publicly. Yeah, I have. Okay. It's rare, though. And really, nobody asks either. Um, but yeah, so I, I you know, I, I'm sure everybody in Ring of Honor knows because they'll ask me now. Now it's getting to the point where people are asking me to, like, help them. But yeah, for physical therapy stuff. So, like, today I worked on Josh Woods for a while with, like, mobilizations and stuff. Um, I've done, like, worked on Flip Gordon a couple times and Rat. So that's cool because it's good practice for me, but I've got about a year of that left, and that'll be my second degree. What are your degrees? What are your other degrees? Uh, business administration. I graduated with like a 3.9 or something, like dean's list and all that. Um, and then I went. I started going for my master's in business, uh, and that was actually – I don't think I've ever said this on – like interviews or anything. That was like the whole reason I, I wasn't in New Japan anymore was I took the GMAT and I was going to go to school for my master's and I explained to uh, New Japan, like, I, I, I would like to go back to school, you know, um, for a little while. Like, okay, just finish out your contract and then, you know, we, we'd still like to use you as much as possible. And then eventually I realized, like, it's not going to be possible with physical therapy once I switch disciplines. Like, you just can't do it. You have to be in the States for it. So, got about a year. Are you, are you like, why did I do a master's? Did you get a master's in business? No, I took a few classes and then I was like, man, this is really dry material. And also the lack of experience with a master's in business, because obviously I haven't worked in that field. I still wrestled. Like, right. I never truly needed the degrees for employment. Um, I was like, I'd rather get something to diversify my portfolio. But at the same time, having the trainers on the road in New Japan, I was like, what these guys do is awesome. Yeah. And I want to do that. Like just being able to make people instantly feel better so that they can go perform better. Like that's kind of where I fell in love with physical therapy, which is ironic now that I think about it. Like pro wrestling is kind of what pushed me towards it. But we, yeah, we had two awesome trainers. One of them still there, Misawa. And it's just, you know, you'll feel terrible after this bus ride and you're beat up and you're sore. And then they do some mobilizations and passive massage and active range of motion stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, this is great. And now I can get out there and I can go wrestle. So let's say in 10 years, years yep you're 44 right what are you doing that's tough right so now like i'm starting to realize i i love wrestling and i want to have when i'm done with this when a year from now when i'm done with school i might not even go into physical therapy i would like to go all in on wrestling again too but i i just can't do it right now like i i've turned down several new japan tours because i can't do them you know but man i would love to do like a ring of honor new japan split schedule or, or i miss being there you okay. know and i love ring of honor too like i really like working here a lot and i love the locker room and the team we have here so yeah that would be really nice i don't know if i'll be doing that 10 years from now so but but it's like okay get this degree finally have it yeah and then just power through it until it's done yeah pretty yeah. much it's like it, it's like the ultimate insurance policy right. for me like okay let's say something happens in wrestling hattori loves that i'm going to school right tiger hattori he always says hey you know it can end just like this man like <laughs> look at shibata and hanman it's true yeah. like these guys got hurt just out of nowhere when they're having like major runs you know it's like you never know when it can be taken away and that's that's kind of scary in its own right well it's a lesson learned yeah and that's true about anything in life. I meant this right? podcast. Yeah, we all learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to get that, get that backup plan. That's good for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like learning too. So there's that. Do you? I mm. hate it. I mean, I guess I like the good stuff. You have a college degree as well, man. Yeah. Actually, you were a catalyst for me to go back to school because I always thought you had your bachelor's degree. Right. Yeah, I just admired that about you because I, I always thought. Wow, this guy's like one of the best pro wrestlers in the world. 
He really doesn't need it. Did you ever even end up using it? No, I mean, yeah, you never did. But yeah. I, I, I remember, I, and I think it, this always stuck with me. I remember when I was first starting out. Uh, I think Bobo Brown like was talking about how he wanted to get you booked for a show, and you had like your college graduation that week. And I just thought that was so cool for some reason. Like this guy who was main eventing IWF when I set up the rings and having these awesome matches, like is going to college, and I always thought that was amazing. So. I remember it was the one weekend I, I probably the first weekend in three years I had taken off. My mom made me a lot of mom. A lot of mom. <laughs> she made. She's like, "You're not taking this weekend off." I was like, "There's there's like an LWF show I wanted to do so bad." Right. She's like, "Please, for the love of God, just let me come to your graduation, and then you can do whatever you want." <laughs> you know, like, yep, yep. And that was one of those things where it was like, I don't know if you had this at the time, but it was just like, there's a lot of pride in never taking a weekend off and always wrestling. Absolutely, and I think like that was something I really got from you and again, Punk and Hero. Uh, this may sound weird, but reading your guys' live journals and right. stuff, and like just kind of seeing how you guys did things, and then me and Jimmy Jacobs, like having a partner in crime was critical. Like I had to have somebody to do this stuff with. And I've said that, and I don't know if that's it, but like that's advice I give to someone a lot find somebody to do this Just stuff find with someone you. yeah one million percent find, have a match get, not have a match but have all your spots right so you can impress and yep. then you know then that's how you then break off and wrestle with other people but bring that match to a show yes yeah make it a touring match and like that was something i remember like when we got compared later on to like you and punk that was like that was a huge compliment for me you know and then like side down delirious were shortly after us too and it was like yeah, man, having somebody you have who will do these drives with you. Right. And for right, it was like reckless. The person I looked at was like reckless and quack. Yep, there right. you go. Yeah. There you go. And it's just like when you pair off like that, it, it just it's such a huge, huge boon to have that. Yep. So not not big on social media. Are we? Can we promote anything for you, oh, dude? I don't have anything. <laughs> man. I, I don't really use my Twitter at all. I think like the last post I had on there was like a picture of my dog from July. So yeah, I don't sell merchandise either. Like I have no merchandise. Is there something from that right you now. really like out there that you'd like people to know about? Oh man, a TV show, a band. Who do you want to promote? I can't think of anything right now. To be I know honest. you're into music. I love music, but it's like there's no bands that I have like a vested interest in. You know, that's gonna say yeah. Comedians. No, I can't think of anything like that. Just anything in life. I'm really excited about Black Mirror season four. I mean, is that coming out soon? Yeah, December 29th. I think. Wonderful. I think so. I'm, I, I, I I said to my friend like, "Hey, watch this," and then like. He's given me so much shit, like making fun of me to my group of friends of like what? saying it was like the worst, dumbest show of all time. So, okay. The first time I recommended it, somebody, cause it's weird and dark, yeah. right? I remember we were in Japan a few years ago and uh, I remember telling Kenny and the Bucks about Before it. Before Netflix? No, this was Netflix. This it was one, on okay. Netflix, and it just only the first two seasons were out. But me and my um, my wife had watched it, and uh, I was telling them about it, like while we were walking to a convenience store, and I explained it to them. Then the next day, they like all three of us walked again to the convenience store because, like, really, there's no glamorous dinner in the yeah, country yeah. towns, yeah. And everybody was blown away by it. Like, like it's so crazy. Yeah, and they like we just binged because that's what you do. Like, 
pretty much. We just binge nine hours of Black Mirror. Yeah, I think they, I think they had watched more than one. And I just prefaced it with the episode where woman wakes up in an apartment, goes downstairs, static on the TV, has no idea where she's at, ringing headache, walks outside, and she's walking in between the apartment buildings and sees that people are just filming her and starts screaming for help, and nobody's reacting. They're just filming, filming, filming with her phones. Car peels up behind her, parks. She looks back. Guy in a mask gets out, opens up the hood pulls out a shotgun just starts walking towards her and that was enough for them to be like wow this is crazy you know yeah all right season four big plug yeah yeah i'm sure they need my <laughs> my promotion right well uh thank you very much for coming Dude, on thank you absolute pleasure, See, fun man. this this was so much fun yeah of course yeah, so much fun everybody yep 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 all right i let that one go long because why the fuck not Great to have Alex Shelley on the show. For years, people got scared. I don't know why, but it's such a breeze when you're talking to a friend and somebody you know. Alex Shelley, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. I will always remember sitting down with you at the Courtyard by Marriott in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I don't know if I'll always remember that, but I did right now, so I said it. All right, before we get out of here, let's get into some plugs and... Upcoming events... All right, the best way that you can support coldmerch.com, digitalcult.com, Twitter and Instagram at Colt Cabana, Facebook slash AOW Podcasts, also slash Colt Cabana, my storytelling podcast, Pro Wrestling Fringe, plus past archives of this show. They are ad-free on stitcherpremium.com slash Colt. Use the code Colt, get a free month, coltwrestling at gmail.com, my very public email. Maybe a promoter won't put me on an upcoming show or convention. I have a YouTube channel. I also have a website, coltcabana.com. That's where you can find my new P.O. Box, 18343, Chicago, Illinois, 60618. Send it my way. Upcoming December 24th, December 28th, December 31st, and January 3rd, Tokyo, Japan, ddtpro.com. Saturday, January 6th, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Facebook slash First Wrestling. Although I think that one is sold out. Maybe you could sneak in. Friday, January 12th, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, Facebook slash River City CW. Sunday, January 4th, Chicago, Illinois, Facebook slash Zello Pro. January 20th, Nashville, Tennessee, ROHWrestling.com. I'll be doing commentary. And Friday, January 26th, Winnipeg, Canada, Facebook slash Primo's Exhibition 2. That is the show for this week. Huge thank you to you guys at home for listening and telling your friends. Thanks to Alex Shelley for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Kid. We got Jeff and Stu Stone. Kid Russell and Matt Jenkins on the music. Dane Miller and Creaky with tech. How about those sponsors? Highspots.com. A VOD service with the PWGs, with the $5 Wrestlings, with the Kevin Steen Shows, AMA Knee Pads, Gear, Mask, A Wrestling Ring, OneHourTees.com. They help run ProWrestlingTees.com. That's where you can support your favorite independent wrestler and tweaked audio.com slash Colt earbuds that I use. Get over 30% off and free shipping just because you listen to this show. I'm going to do a year in review next week. I'll be in Japan. I'll probably be tired. I hope to see you if you're coming to the Dome Show. You should come a night early and go to Corican Hall. Just a recommendation. Thank you, everybody, for reviewing the Wrestling Dreams book on Amazon. If you haven't, maybe uh, maybe you should head on over there. Give a nice review on Amazon. And thanks, everybody, for sending their pictures and videos of uh, the kids reading or looking at the book. So cute. It's been so cute. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time and your support. This has been the Art of Wrestling. For Colt Cabana, I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks. Well, you know, we were talking earlier about Frankie Kazarian 
building a gingerbread house. <laughs> Who's we? I wasn't talking about that. No, me, Frankie, Saban, and Scorpio Sky. And apparently when Tracy wasn't looking, he was, told this kid to open his mouth and he squirted frosting in. The kid just went nuts because he's never had like pure <laughs> frosting. And then... Um, which I had with that cake upstairs. I don't know if you saw that oh, cake geez, at Ring of Honor. Nice. It was like nothing but. It was pure frosting. Yeah. Well, then I made the inappropriate comment of like, yeah, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> it snowballed from there. You want that? That's the start of this podcast. No, it's not. Is yes, it? it is. Oh, no. No, it's not. Is it? I didn't know we were starting. I thought we were just checking levels <laughs> and stuff. I mean, it could not be. Oh, yeah. I'd prefer it not. Okay. Well, what about the Easter egg at the very end? Oh, Christ. No. All right. Yeah, that'll be hidden away from yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, please no. Please okay. No. Hold on. I'm going to reset. I don't want that to make the light of day.